Welcome to the Wealth Trifecta, where we explore all things health, wealth, and happiness. This podcast is designed to uplift and ignite your journey to financial independence and lifestyle design. I'm your host, Holly Morphew, personal finance expert, accredited financial counselor, and life enthusiast. True wealth is the convergence of health, happiness, and good fortune. And what I love most about wealth building is that it doesn't matter where you start. What matters is that you start. Wealth is for everyone, and that includes you. Hello, Wealth Builder. I am so excited to bring you today's episode. I had so much fun recording this interview with Karen Laus, who is a professional speaker and author and is on a mission to help you own your confidence, own your voice, ask for what you want, be who you are, get the results that you want in life. And what I loved about this conversation is that she is just full of tips and tools and practical strategies to tap into your confidence, to eradicate self-doubt, and how to ask for anything that it is that you want. My favorite part of this interview was when we talked about confident expectation. So in other words, knowing that you are going to get the results that you want, knowing that you're going to get the promotion, knowing that people love working with you, knowing that the impact that you want to make is on its way to you. And I love this idea of just living in a state of confidence expectation because it makes the process of creation and the journey that much more fun when you know, when you know with a capital K that it is coming its way to you. We also talked about advice that her mother gave her when she was very young, be direct, honest, and kind, and how being clear is actually the kindest thing that you can do for someone is to have a clear ask or a clear request. And who is Karen? Karen Laus is a communication expert and confidence cultivator who leverages 25 years in the boardroom and speaking on the world's most coveted stages, such as Google and NASA, to transform missed opportunities into wins. She is fiercely committed to her mission of eradicating self-doubt in 10 million women by giving them practical strategies to ask for what they want in the boardroom and beyond. She guides corporations and individuals with her tested communication model to generate consistent results through her leadership presence keynote how to be an influential communicator. I hope you love this conversation as much as I loved having it. Without further ado, let's go to the show. Karen, welcome to the show. It's so good to have you. Thank you, Holly. (laughs) I can't wait to get into what you're helping people with in the world, which is really tapping into our inner confidence, eradicating self-doubt, stepping into our power and how that translates into career success and all of the other things that come with just feeling awesome about who we are. So I can't wait to jump into that. But before we go there, Karen, can you just share a little bit about yourself and how you got started doing what you do in the world? Sure. Well, many of us are missing opportunities because we don't speak up. And that is truly my story. And even though I was being flown all over the world to companies like Google and Facebook and Sony and all of this was happening, but simultaneously, I remember very specifically one moment where I was in a boardroom and I was supposed to present something that my boss had suggested. And it was to my peers. It was even an internal thing, but I found myself tongue tied. I could not get the words out. And my boss had to shut down the meeting. And I'll tell you, Holly, it was so embarrassing but she pulled me aside. She was super supportive. And she said, you didn't trust your gut. You could have just said, let's table this and talk about it another time. And that moment is the moment when I said, I have got to figure out why I am so worried about what certain people think of me. It wasn't in all situations. And that is when I really went to town to figure out what the situations were and why. So I was letting self-doubt overcome me because I was so concerned about what other people thought. And I think a lot of us, whether you know women or any gender, frankly, we get stuck because we're worried about what people think of us. 
And so that's really where I realized once I got free of that with all of the personal growth work that I did, I said, oh my gosh, I was literally in a prison of my own making. We all have the power of self-agency. We just need some tools to get out. And so that's what I did. And once I realized what freedom felt like, I want all people to be free. Oh my gosh. This resonates with me so much, Karen, because I know that I am my biggest critic and I am constantly reminding myself that the work that I do, I'm my own boss. I'm the one steering the ship. And yet I am so hard on myself and I have such high expectations of myself. And then I, I think that's why I'm so interested in spirituality because spirituality really is learning how to step into our beingness and accept myself for who I am right now in this moment. And so if you could share some of those strategies, some of those practical tools that helped you get out of your head, so to speak, because I'm curious and I know that my listeners are going, okay, how do I eradicate my (laughs) (laughs) self-doubt? Yes. Well, there's internal confidence and there's external. And so let's start with one that helped me a lot. And I taught myself how to do this and it made a huge difference. So for example, sometimes I would be concerned about what people would think about an opinion because I'm not sure if it would be popular, if it would land well, or if it was perfect, because I resonate with what you said about the being our own worst critics. And I think that's most of us, especially the high achievers that are listening to this. I taught myself to say, here's my vote. And I'll give a little context. My boss used to say, you always come to meetings and say, here's all of the information. What do you all think? And one day she said to me, I want to know what you think. Mm. And I'll tell you, that was one of those moments where I thought, what? I mean, I grew up in a very traditional household where everything was about everybody else that, you know, while my dad taught me how to ask for what you want, my mom also modeled that your voice didn't matter because you had to look to the man to make a decision for you. And that was in and of itself, that's a whole other topic about the mixed messages from my childhood. But as a result of that, I was so concerned about what everybody thought and would everybody be happy? That was really the driving force for me. Are people going to be happy? So training myself to say instead, here's my vote was so powerful for me because it's direct, but also diplomatic. And that's the thing. There's no wavering in that. And I used to be criticized in particular in this space with these leaders that are my were my peers at the time that I wavered too much because I was trying to be a chameleon a little bit about let's feel out what everybody else thinks. And the truth is it was so freeing when I started saying, here's my vote. And I can still remember the first time I did it because I realized, oh, nobody died. I didn't lose my job. And in fact, I was more respected because I was more decisive. So that can be one suggestion that I would make. This whole idea of letting go of what other people think of us. And, you know, I've heard so many times that it's none of my business, what someone else thinks of me, but yet I still care. And I would love to just wash my hands of that and just let it go. Do you have any strategies for how we can truly let go of caring what others think of us? Yeah. Well, one of the things that exercise I find helpful is to make two columns on a piece of paper or on a computer and write on one column, what you can control and on the other, what you can't. There's something empowering as a start, obviously, we could name several exercises and I'm happy to do that. But at the end of the day, it's a matter of going, okay, what works for me? And being able to look at what you can control versus what you can't is good data to be able to go, okay, am I obsessing over something I can't even control, which is how other people think of me. So, so that would be one thing, but the other thing that I love, it's called the Broadway musical technique. And this is really good from a neural pathways perspective, changing your brain, basically the neural pathways, the whatever you call them, the synapses in your brain. And this is, for example, you start with the strongest message of self-doubt that you say to yourself a lot. So for me in the past, certainly the biggest message was something like, I'll never be enough. 
And when you realize, okay, number one, you have to be aware, what do I keep saying? And then say it out loud, just like I did now, I'll never be enough. And you can hear how the energy in my voice is pretty low. It's not particularly happy. And what you do then to switch the neural pathways is sing it like a Broadway musical or say it in a different voice. So it might be something like, I'll never be enough. (laughs) And suddenly you're laughing. I've done this with groups. And I was first introduced to this by my friend, Rachel Grant, who did it in a workshop where I attended. And I thought, wow, this was so powerful. And then what happens because of now doing this with groups with people, people will tell me later, I started singing that message again. And then it's funny almost. Then you kind of realize, wow, this doesn't have to have this hold on me. So those are a couple of exercises that you could start with. Oh, I love that. Thank you so much. I, yeah. I, can, I can definitely see myself doing that. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And then it loses it. its power. Exactly. Because it becomes funny. And it, yes. And you realize that, of course, you know, there's there's two sides of the coin. Words matter, but also tone and how you say things matter. And again, from a physiological perspective, what I find fascinating is that, and this speaks to if you're not feeling so great or you're having a down day, smiling, even though it might feel weird, like why would I smile when I'm feeling depressed? But that can help to shift our mood. And when we continue to get in the habit of those brain shifting exercises, that can help us to let go of some of these things. Yes. I know that you are fiercely committed. That is the word that you have used fiercely committed to this mission of eradicating self-doubt in 10 million women by giving them these practical strategies to ask for what they want in the boardroom and beyond. So I would love to chat with you about how do you support people to ask for what they want in the boardroom and beyond, because I know people are listening who are wanting to advance in their careers. Maybe they feel like they're due for a promotion or they're due for something at work, whether it's more money, higher income, or something that they're deserving of because they've been working hard. So how do we ask for those things that we are deserving of and advance our careers in that way? Well, the first step is to know what you want. And I will say, it's amazing how many people don't know what they want. If you start there, and here's a question that I think is fabulous that my very first coach many, many years ago posed to me, what would you want if you weren't afraid to want it? Because I think a lot of people have a pretty good sense of what they want, but they are either afraid to want it. They feel like they don't deserve it. Who am I to have this? All of these messages that come at us. So start with what you want. And then the second step is to be aware of your audience. Why would they care? The people that you're asking, you have to pitch things in a way that's relevant to the audience. What are the benefits? And I'll give you an example of this. I remember years ago when I was in HR, one of my first HR roles, I knew pretty quickly that I loved developing people. And I thought, I don't wanna do these spreadsheets around benefits and compensation. I wanna be with people. So I decided to create an entire role for myself. I wrote out a job description and then, so that I knew that's what I wanted. I wanted to basically lead a non-existent training department at the time. So I wrote out this job description. And then my second step was figuring out what mattered to the person I was pitching. And so I thought about this, that, well, first of all, we've never had a training department. It's going to retain more employees. They're going to feel rewarded and fulfilled because they have somebody dedicated to developing them personally and professionally and so on and so on. So I won't go into all of the details there, but basically I pitched it to her and it showed how it would matter to her and why she should care. And she said, yes. And this has happened multiple times in my life because a lot of times we're either nervous or we get fixated on ourselves that we forget that we have an audience that wants to know that we're all asking the question, what's in it for me? And if we can imagine that every human being has that antenna above their head, why would I care or what's in it for me? That can help us to prep more appropriately. And then I'll share one more thing as the third step is to ask directly. I'm amazed at how many people ask passively. They'll say things like, 
If you're interested, let me know. We have to be more direct. We have to say, is this an option? Could we have a further conversation about this? Would you like to sign up? Whatever you're doing, whether you're in a role in a company or whether you're an entrepreneur and you're looking for clients, we have to ask for the business. It's the same thing in a job situation. We have to ask. So it's really three steps. It's know what you want, prep in advance to know your audience. And then third is ask directly. Mm, yes, that is some very solid advice. I find that in my interactions often in the world, I notice that it's almost like many people show up kind of as like a beach where they're just sort of allowing the waves of the ocean to wash over them. And there's no agency. And I tend to feel in the presence of someone who really isn't an agent for themselves, confused myself. Like, yes. you know, because because I want to be supportive. It is my mission, my personal mission to make positive impact in the lives of those that I interact with one-to-one. So whether it's a walk around the lake by my house or the neighbors in my community where I live, or it's my family that I'm spending time with or my partner, it really matters to me that there's a two-way street of communication where I know what's on their mind and what's on their heart and how can I be of service to them. And when when that's not clear, it, it does make me feel uncomfortable. So I love the directness. And I, I was reading as I prepped for our interview today, I, I read, I think on your about page on your website that your mom gave you some very valuable advice when you were young. Can you talk about that and how you use that today? Yes. That's so, oh, that's, that just warms <laughs> my heart. She has always said, be direct, honest, and kind. And it reminds me actually of one of Brene Brown's most famous quotes, clear is kind, unclear is unkind. Mm. And I love that in particular because like with my mom, it's funny because she, she definitely taught that and she modeled kindness unlike anybody I've ever really known. And yet she would be the first one to say that she wasn't always direct <laughs> At times. So it's sort of funny. I mean, I'm not trying to out my mom who's now passed away, but I know she would laugh about this too. That and and so as a result of that, because I also want to share with your listeners that it's not like I was born like this, being direct. I've worked many, many years on my personal growth to be more direct. And I still can be challenged with being wishy-washy sometimes. But the thing is, we can all learn this we can remember that going back to whenever we're talking with somebody that being direct is critical. And I have a funny story actually about my mom where we were, I was driving her to the doctor when I went back to visit her in Minnesota and we were coming to a T in the road where we could either turn left or right. And I said, Hey mom, which way do I turn? And she said, well, you might want to turn right. <laughs> and I'm a block away from this intersection. I said, mom, which is it right or left? And we had this hilarious laugh about it. And in the end, she said, well, you really could have turned either way, but the right was more efficient. <laughs> but we had a good laugh about it because she was so supportive of my career and knew what I was focused on related to communication. But it's things like that, that sometimes we're trying to be accommodating or we're trying to be friendlier. And yet what's actually happening is confusion. And I can remember a vivid moment where I was in a corporate training and it was a video situation where I was recording women on video in particular, and then we would watch it back to see what they did well behaviorally as well as through their message. And one woman was giving feedback to the other. So that was a standard practice and writing it down on a note card. And she said to the woman, we'll call her Christy. She said to Christy, hey, Christy, how do you, how do you spell your name? Is it with a C or a K? And Christy said, it doesn't matter, whatever you prefer. And honestly, Holly, I turned around, I was working on the video and I turned around and I stopped and this became a whole tangent in the, in the class because I said, oh my gosh, first of all, your name is part of your definition. You deserve to have your name honored, but if you don't honor it, why would anybody else? But even more importantly, it's confusing for people. Oh, is it C or K? I mean, we, we want to honor, I'd say most of us want to honor someone else. It's kind of the same thing with Mike or Michael, Dave or David. 
people would often introduce themselves to me and I'm thinking about these classes I would teach. Oh, it's, it's David would be on their name tag. And then they would say, Dave. And I would say, well, which is it Dave or David? Oh, it doesn't matter. And then I would think the whole day I was confused. Do they want to be called Dave or do they want to be called David? So making sure that you are clear is a huge benefit to everybody. Yes. I'm thinking right now about how our minds, our brain is designed to, to filter and be efficient. And so sometimes we just want an answer so we can move forward. And in the example you just gave of the Dave or David, it's how much energy did you spend (laughs) wondering what you should call him? Yes. And so it, and I'm also reminded of an article that I read where uh, I, I'm not going to remember her her name, but Chandra Rhymes or Chandra oh, Grimes, yeah. Shond- yes. Shonda Land. Yes, 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 yes. Oh, yes. Who, How to get this, away with murder? <laughs> oh, yes. And she's just so successful in in her you know video film career. And she, in particular, this one quote in this article I read was she said, "You know, I go into these board meetings with these multi millionaires, billionaires in the film industry in Hollywood." And she's like, everyone's looking at me to ask, what are we doing next? And she said, the truth is, I'm just making it up as I go along. Like, there is no right or wrong way. There's no such thing as perfection. It's just what I say in this moment. And going back to the idea of each one of us having agency and knowing, what do I want? Where am I trying to go? How do I want to feel along the journey? And just getting clear on that, that's what directs our life. And at least for me as a coach and a writer and a speaker, I'm, I'm constantly asking myself these questions, myself, these questions, because my, my work is always evolving. And so it's like, Oh, what's the next iteration. And I find that when I'm not clear, like maybe it's a time in my life where I'm meant to just be resting. Like Mm -hmm. last year, I took a ton of time off to just rest and relax into the success of my book, Simple Wealth and how much my business had grown. It was just a beautiful time, but I found that it was also uncomfortable for me because I didn't know where it was that I wanted to go next. And so that part of me that likes to create and design and like the the process of creation, Mm -hmm. I found that to be really challenging. Wow. Yeah. It's, it's so, well, it's fascinating just the way that we're wired and all the different things that make us tick and how much power we have to create the reality that we want, whether that is with career or it's with health, wealth, or happiness. So one of the things that I I've learned about you, Karen, is that you help people work through their fears, their, Mm -hmm. their fears of speaking up or their fear of owning their voice. What are some ways that you help people with that? Yeah. Well, I want to come back briefly and it's connected to your question now, because what you were just talking about made me think about something recently where I was interviewed on a panel of what has made me successful and three people, I was thinking in my head, I was going to say tenacity and three other people said the same thing. So I thought I have to come up with something different. And I'm so glad that that happened because it made me think about something else that I wouldn't have traditionally thought of. And that is my mindset around confident expectation. And this, I believe, is also very connected to the question that you just asked. We have to expect that good things are going to happen to us because our brain is so powerful. Like you said, we have so much power to manifest things, for things to start happening in our lives. When we direct our energy towards something, that's where everything starts to flow. And I have been, I I remember specifically a friend of mine many years ago saying, things just always seem to fall in your lap. How does this happen? And almost like it just happened organically. And I was thinking, I pay attention and I have a mindset of confident expectation because it really needs to be a combination of both of being attuned to what's going on in the world with the interactions that you have with people and not being afraid to ask. I mean, there's so many things like a chapter in my book is called seize the adventure or say yes to the adventure. And I think about this all the time, like, Ooh, and I don't think that I'm opportunistic, like, a a, um, I feel pretty confident that I'm not out there arrogantly trying to just 
grab, 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 because I also think I'm a very generous person, but it's the attunement to confident expectation. And so, for example, I expect that people are going to like me. I expect that great things are going to happen to me. I expect that people are going to want to do business with me. And when we can live in that mindset and carry ourselves that way, even just thinking about how we breathe air in, I mean, all of these things combine to basically help us design the life that we want to live. So that's something I felt like I needed to say, because a lot of times it's making a decision to bet on yourself and that you're worth it. Now, those things are so much easier said than done. So I also understand, I don't want to just sit here and talk about theory. So one of the things that I love and exercise that I help people with on their internal confidence is what I call five and five. And that is ask five people to give you five positive qualities about yourself. And sometimes getting that external feedback can be extremely helpful to get a sense of themes. Like for me, when I first did this a long time ago, I, well, first of all, ever since I was a kid, people have told me that they feel comfortable around me. And I always thought that was nice. Well, that's nice. I never thought about it as a business strength until probably 15 years ago. And when I was doing this exercise and having people say that back to me, and now obviously they call it psychological safety, which was not something that we talked about 20 years ago. And to be able to have that and go, okay, this is a character strength. And I think too, the more clear we can get on our tactical strengths and our character strengths, those are really important things to bring to the table when we are in an interview or we have a client somebody's like, if you're an entrepreneur, who's ever listening, somebody's trying to decide between you and someone else, this can be a great way to position yourself to say, here's how I think I'm a great fit for what you need from both a character strength and a tactical strength. When mm -hmm. we can start speaking like that, most people don't talk like that. So when you hear somebody saying that it makes total sense, but we're not drawn to that. I've never heard in an interview, somebody say like, what are your character strengths? But when we can bring that up and position ourselves in a way that creates value for others, then it's, it's again, that classic example of how do we position our, what we do for a living as value to someone else, again, tactical and character. I love how that comes full circle. You know, it starts with knowing what is it that you want also looking at the people that you're coming in contact with that, with that antenna on their head saying, you know, I need to be recognized and seen and understood too. How can what you have to offer help me? Mm -hmm. And then being direct and, and making the ask. Exactly. Yeah. Well, and another thing that may, I was thinking about that is something very powerful that I do with my clients. And that is video recording because there is nothing like the objective reality to help you see how you're coming across. So recording yourself on video and seeing what are you doing well? And a lot of people don't know what to look for. And this is something that I took for granted because I've been trained in this. So, so many people come to me and then we'll do a quick one minute video, whether it's virtual or in person, we'll watch it back and I'll talk about what things to shift. For example, many of us have a serious facial expression when we are thinking about what to say. And that can translate then to an audience, even if an audience of one or a thousand, it can make you look like you're unapproachable and unfriendly and people do business with who they know, like, and trust. And that is one element that is sometimes seen in a video that you wouldn't normally see in yourself. So anybody listening, I would also recommend you record yourself and watch it back and see how you look and hire a coach, someone like me or anybody to see what is working for you. And also what might be some blind spots you didn't even realize you had. And what I've found is that when those blind spots are uncovered, along with the positive strengths that people have, when those getting videoed, of course, most of us don't love it at first, but that is the thing consistently that people ask me to do more of because it is so affirming. Because you see, oh, here's what I'm doing well. And oh, now I know what I can do differently. Because a lot of people, you know how it is. A lot of people talk about gravitas and executive presence. And 
The problem is when we say words like that or passion, it's so subjective, it's hard to replicate. And so I'm in the business of making those things practical. Like I can tell someone, here's how you can build trust or here's how you might be eroding trust. So lots of, I'm, I'm thinking of lots of examples. I'll say one more, Holly, and then Please. turn it back. But I was being interviewed at a large company to coach the CFO. When I met with her, at the end of the meeting, she asked me a really powerful question that nobody has asked me before when they've been looking at me to hire. And she said, so far in this meeting, if I were to hire you, is there anything that you have seen that you would coach me on? And I knew right away, I said, oh yeah. I said, the thing is, you have been incredibly vulnerable and approachable during this entire call based on the things that you have shared, but you don't come across that way. You're very monotone and you, or you come across as very monotone and you have a very flat expression. So that's what I would say we would work on when we start working together, or if we, if you choose me. And that made a big difference for her, but it was such a good example because that happens a lot. It doesn't mean that you are something because I definitely am not somebody that talks about, well, you are this because that's that fixed mindset versus the growth mindset. The growth mindset assumes that you can change. You're not defined. And that's such a huge, huge thing to be able to say. And that's the magic words I would tell anybody listening is, say, come across to people next time. Like if you're in a conflict, don't say to somebody like you were rude or you were this, say you came across as this to me. And then we're not defining them. We're, we're pulling out the behavior from the person. Absolutely. And it's so much easier to receive feedback when it's, it's not a, you are like, I remember when I was a kid and of course as parents, and, and I'm not a parent myself, but I'm thinking about my mom and particularly, you know, we parents use the examples that their parents gave to them. Right. Unless we've had some sort of training. And yeah. so, and if I ever did something, let's say bad for whatever bad could be, uh, she would say you're bad. Mm-hmm. And, and I internalized that I, fe- and, and I remember just wanting to be good and I knew oh. that I was good. And, and yeah. now I know that if she had said your behavior was X, Y, Z, instead of saying you mm-hmm. are bad. And I recently yes. was at a training myself where there was a component of it, where we gave and received feedback and the way that we were instructed to, to give this feedback was to say, Holly, my experience of you is. And that was just so powerful because since I'm back from this training, I'm thinking about some things that I want to either resolve, whether it's a relationship or, you know, something that I'm creating or when coming into contact with someone, if there's like a clearing that needs to happen. And I, and it all comes from love, right? Otherwise, why would we spend energy? You know, it's like, I love you and I need to receive the love back. And so how can I communicate my experience with someone that didn't feel so good without saying you are something. And so what a great tool to say, you know, my experience is, or you're coming across as it's, it's not putting something on someone. It's just saying I'm owning how I feel and it's not right or wrong or good or bad. It's just, this is the experience that I'm having. (laughs) I love that. That reminds me of a retreat that was it called impact by chance. That's exactly what it was. No way. That's exactly what it was. Oh my gosh. I, well, we could have a whole other conversation, but I've been to a number of impacts retreats. Have yeah. you? Okay. Yeah. Well, this is my first, a good friend of mine had offered me this training over the years. And I always said no, because I do so many retreats and you know, experiences and trainings. And, you know, I'm a coach who has a coach. I'm a big believer in just, you know, continual personal and professional development. And finally I said, yes, I had no idea what (laughs) it was going to be. I just showed up with an open heart and an open mind. And I was committed to be there. I trusted my friend who invited me and it ended up being one of the most transformational trainings I have ever been through. Yes, me too. Yes. (laughs) I, I'm thinking about the first one that I went to where there were 28 people sitting in a big circle in a boardroom in Southern California. And the facilitator said, who wants to test this out? How many of you stand up if you think that people experience joy in your presence? And 
one, there were a number of people that stood up and one in particular, I remember thinking, oh, wow, I did not feel joy in her presence. And she's the one that volunteered. And it was so scary because she came up. Well, I shouldn't say it was scary for me, even witnessing this. And the facilitator said, raise your hand if you experienced joy or if you've experienced joy around this person. And most people didn't. And that was a huge, huge eye opener for her to go, okay, what do I need to shift? And it is so powerful to know how you're coming across and know if it aligns with what you think. Yes. And going back to using video, you know, to actually see, I, I was a high school volleyball coach for 14 years. Oh, right. Yes. And I would always get out my cell phone after I would coached a couple, you know, people on technique and I could see that they just like, sometimes we don't know where we're blind. We just don't like, we yeah. think that we're doing it right. We think mm -hmm. that we've got it down. Like the elbow's high enough, but it's actually not, <laughs> you know, and I'm like, let me just show you. And when I started incorporating video into coaching, the progress that my athletes made was so much faster. I bet. So, yes. That, that feedback, you know, I think it's important to get feedback for those who are wanting to, whether it's break through something, advance in a career, you know, make healthier decisions, make wealthier decisions. So with mm -hmm. that, and that's why the work that we're doing here, just connecting together to share out this powerful message is so important because I don't think that we were meant to do it alone. Agreed. Agreed. We've got to be aware. Yeah. And it's yeah. so true. The making the difference. It's funny because I do so much video coaching in my work that when I'm at a yoga class, for example, I think, oh, I'm doing this move great. <laughs> and I think then I look at someone else and go, hmm, I don't think I'm, maybe I'm not. <laughs> I wish someone would record me right now that I could watch it back and make better progress. So I yeah. love your analogy of the volleyball. Yes. Yes. Oh, this is so good. So I'm curious. I want to talk about your book because you have a beautiful book. And Thank you. Yes. So it's called Trust Your Voice, Growing Your Influence Through Confident Communication. Yes, and it's trust your own voice with emphasis on own. I have to say that specifically because too often I feel like we trust other people or we look to other people. And that's for me, which is why that, that word to me is really important because I thought I was trusting everybody else. And it's really looking at, okay, how can we do this? But I'll tell you about the book because I, I always love to say that I wrote a book that I would read. <laughs> and what I mean by that is it's about being, it's, it doesn't have to go in any order. And so just going back to why I wrote the book, well, there's a number of reasons, but I wanted people to have a guidebook that you could pick up any chapter. So anybody reading it, I would say, look at the table of contents, see what interests you most, and then jump straight to that chapter. And the, the first chapter is all about the mixed messages that I had as a kid. So that can also be good context. But the, the truth is it was really about trusting yourself, trusting your gut. And for me, really trusting that I did have good ideas. I was always looking to everybody else, thinking everybody knew more or better than me. And that's going back to that moment in the boardroom, which is actually my opening story in the book that I really had the hardest time with people that I thought were more intimidating or what than me. And what I've come to realize is that, cause I thought, why is it that I can be so confident in all of these other areas where it isn't an issue a lot? And what I realized is that when I believed that I was adding value, like somebody hired me to help them with a certain thing, I had lots of confidence. That's why I have always had confidence with my clients and people that I knew that I could help. But when it came down to meetings where it was, I'll say just in air quotes, where it was just me and it was about my ideas, that was scarier because that's for so many years, I felt like I was, would never be enough. I grew up with a very, a critical father and a perfectionist mom. <laughs> And so when you put that combination together, it's hard to imagine that you can ever do anything right. So that's a, a big part of what I'm still facing with all the time, but I'm grateful that I've come a long way and that book really helped me to do it. Mm, I am so excited to read your book. I wish that I had it 
when I was first starting out as a full-time financial coach, because I remember through the different conferences that I attended and the, and the coach that I had hired, then I eventually came to learn that I could be in a room with five very intelligent, very successful people. And I was, I mean, in the beginning when I first decided and I bet on myself, I was like, yes. I believe that I can do this, you know, Yay. like I'm going to go for it. And I had opportunities and some of them were tough to turn down. And here I was just coming out of a divorce. I was mm. having to create income from scratch basically, and kind of just start over in my life. And you know, I, I got connected with a coach who connected me with some, you know, highly influential people like Christy Brinkley and Bethany Frankel and wow. 50 Cent and John Travolta and Mel Gibson and, um, Hugh Hilton. And I mean, the list goes on and on and on. And I'm in a room with these people, Al Pacino, Al Pacino, actually I met, I just happened to be at the right place at the right time. I was invited into this business you know, round table at, at 20 entrepreneurs in a room with Al Pacino. And right before I got up to have my picture with him, I kind of whispered in his ear, we were, really weren't supposed to talk to him. And I said, I missed a flight to come see you. I just said, bye-bye to Florida and hello to California. I literally just flew to California to get in a room with him. And he stood up and he kissed me on the cheek. And I was like, oh, how fun is that? I was like, I've arrived, but all, you know, throughout all of that coaching and just the learning that I was taking in at that time, I realized that I was being guided by other people's definition of success and version of success that they were putting on me. Well, Holly, you're good at this, this, and this, so you should go do that. And here I am going in five different directions because five different people who I put on a pedestal told me this is what I should do. And it wasn't until I had this awakening. I really wish I had read your book before this happened. <laughs> I was like, oh, wait you a minute. Yourself. <laughs> yeah. I was you like, me. I'm the one who says what is right for me because only I know where it is that I want to go and yeah. what kind of experience I want to have along the way. And that was a big awakening for me because I think it is easier to like listen to everyone else and to put people above us and just kind of follow, you know, like it's easy to it be is. a follower. You're absolutely <laughs> right. Leadership is hard. Yes, it, <laughs> it is, my friend. And intention. That is so yes, it really does. You're absolutely right. Oh my goodness, Karen, this has been such a pleasure. Thank what does you. what does wealth mean to you? Wealth to me means contentment. And as somebody who I say this for people who don't know me, which is probably most of the people listening to this, would might be surprised at that answer because. I'm all, I've always been a high achiever and I feel like the moment that you can say, wow, I'm really content. You can still be focused on your next goal and your next thing. But I think about many years ago when I was hiking the Grand Canyon and I spent months training to do that. As soon as I got up to the top, looked at the view, and then went back to my hotel room, I can remember <laughs> sitting on the toilet, to be honest, <laughs> saying, okay, what's next? And I remember telling myself at that time, Karen, can you take a moment and celebrate what just happened? And I do think that most of us don't celebrate enough. That is one of my three core values is celebration. And so to me, that true wealth is where you are so content with who you are and where you are at. You're not chasing other things because of the chase. You are looking at other goals. I'm a, I'm a big dreamer. People often call me that of, wow, you have these big dreams. And the truth is I make most of them happen because I am diligent and intentional and all the things. But I truly believe like so much of my life, I wasn't content. And when I got to the point through, again, lots of personal growth to say, you know what? I'm actually doing pretty well. There doesn't always have to be another thing to fill me up with something because I do feel like you hear, I mean, and you work with a lot of people, Holly, in this situation, but you hear about all of these people that are so wealthy. They have all the money in the world. They'll never even be able to spend it before they die, but they're feeling unfulfilled. They're feeling like something is lacking. And so I'd probably even describe it after now I've talked about this for a little bit here is a life without lack, where you are simply living in abundance and gratitude for where you are and celebrating yourself along the way, not just your accomplishments, but what it took 
for those accomplishments to happen. Mm, I love that. Again, going back to the practical tool, how do we live in contentment? We celebrate. We exactly. celebrate all that got us here and we live in a state of gratitude. Mm -hmm. mm. Exactly. Yeah. And that includes little things like, Ooh, I got out of the house today or I woke up. <laughs> it can be as little as that, or it might be, wow, I gave a massive presentation to a thousand people at Google and they loved it, whatever it might be. But focusing on those taking time and whether it's writing that down on a piece of paper in bullet point format, calling somebody and saying what you need. Cause I also find we don't say what we need very much, but if I called you and said, Hey, Holly, I want to have you celebrate with me. And as a matter of fact, I have to tell a quick story here. I know we're wrapping up, but I remember shortly into being married, probably a year into being married, my husband told me about a blind spot. He said, you know, you often come home, honey, saying, I'm so proud of myself. I did this. I'm so proud of myself. And at first I was thinking, what's wrong with saying that? Because in my mind, I was thinking I was celebrating. But how that can come across is I'm not being direct with an ask. When I started saying to him, hey, honey, I am really proud of myself today and I want to celebrate. Will you celebrate with me? Can I sit down and share with you what happened? That totally shifted the conversation because immediately he went, oh, yes, because the I'm proud of myself can sound like a rescue wish. That's mm -hmm. a, that term in psychology of rescue me. Aren't I great? Like we're kind of desperately trying to get attention versus owning our strengths, owning what we need and saying, this is what I need. Can you help meet that need? And I think whether you're in a personal relationship or a business relationship, we are natural problem solvers. So we want to help with that person. Not that it's a problem, but we want to meet a need that other people have. So that's a little extra note there from my personal life to yours <laughs> about the power of how you can actually do this. Yes. I love that you shared that Karen, because it takes it one step further. It's almost like a worthiness, self-love, confidence, and, and a demonstration of those things to then make a request. So it's not just saying, exactly. here's my state of being, I'm acknowledging myself for what I did, but then taking it a step further and actually demonstrating, actually living it, actually taking action to say, Hey, hubby, will you celebrate this with me? Exactly. Makes a huge difference. Yeah. And I don't have kids either, Holly, but I can remember a really cool experience where one of my friends had her 10 year old in the car who was asking, but he was kind of doing that. I want this. I want this. And then she said, do you have a direct request? And I thought, wow, that is really cool because she was basically encouraging him and kind of forcing him because she wasn't going to say yes until he made the ask. And isn't that like so many of us, very similar to what you said, we, we have to ask if we're going to get. Yes. And I want to also go back to something that you said that just completely resonated with me along the lines of contentment and how, you know, you had prepared to hike the Grand Canyon and you sat down on the toilet and you asked yourself, what's next? It reminded me of something that I've been going through, kind of going back to last year when I took a lot of time off, which was, you know, this idea of happiness. And I've talked about this a lot on the podcast because people are listening because they are truly looking for the wealth trifecta, you know, the convergence of financial security with happiness, with physical well being. And happiness is this thing for me that has been. I don't want to say elusive in my life, but it's sort of elusive in that it like it comes and it goes. And I'm learning that it's a choice that we make. It's something that we actually, you know, have to practice. But I had a similar moment to yours when I was living in Argentina, when I was writing my book, which was in 2020. And that's the last time I remember just being super happy, like elated on top of the world. I'm living my best life and I'm just, you know, I'm creative and, you know, the ideas are flowing and the business is thriving and I'm eating delicious in season fruits and vegetables because it's summer there when it's winter here in Colorado where I live. <laughs> and I had this moment where I caught, like I was dancing in my room, you know, one morning, like I, it, it's a personal practice of mine. And I, my eyes caught myself in the mirror and it was like, I was staring into my soul. It was just this fraction split second of a moment in time. And my subconscious, like my intuition said, what's next? Like uh, is, you know, 
you're writing a book now. And I had a feeling that it was going to be a great book. And I was so excited to put it out, but then it was like my higher self asked me the question, you know, if I have to keep publishing books or keep putting something new out or keep coming up with something, blah, 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 to make myself feel good about myself, where does it end? Mm -hmm. And when do I allow myself to be happy and content? Mm -hmm. And I knew like, I, I stuffed that down in that moment. I was like, I'm going to have to deal with this. Like, this is going to come back to me. (laughs) And it did just like we said last year when I took the time off and it was so uncomfortable for me. It was like, where's the contentment in the rest? And how do I feel just as good about myself, just as happy when I'm in a state of being and not in a state of doing like the world is constantly telling us. So I just thank you so much, Karen, for bringing that up because we are allowed to just be, we are allowed to be content and just getting to this moment in time and being alive. (laughs) Exactly. It's so true. (laughs) And it's so freeing. And that's really when I think about, you know, when I, left corporate to focus on my speaking career, I kept peeling off the layer of the onion as, as one does when you're starting a business of why am I doing this? The layers of the why, well, I want women to be more confident. Well, why? Well, I don't want them to have any more doubt. Well, why? Well, I don't want them to question themselves, but why? And at the end of the day, under that layer is that I want all women to be free. And I can't think of a better world when we all are free. Oh, this has just been so wonderful, Karen. Where can people find out more about you? Are you on the socials? Do you have a website? Please share. I am. I'm on all the places. You can find <laughs> me best centralized at karenlaus.com and that's K-A-R-E-N-L-A-O-S.com. And if you go to my website, you can grab my fabulous resource that I'm really proud of personally. And it's also giving a lot of value to people, which is nine words to avoid and what to say instead. Awesome. Karen, thank you again for being on the show. You're so welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm very grateful. Thank you so much for listening to the Wealth Trifecta. If you loved this episode, please give it a five-star review and share it with your friends. Tune in again and find me on the socials at Holly Morph, where I share freebies, events, and inspiration. I always love to hear from my listeners, so please say hello. If you're looking for financial coaching, check out my website at financialimpact.com. Be sure to join my list and stay up to date with all my offerings, including private coaching, small group coaching, financial retreats, and more. Until we meet again, be healthy, be wealthy, and be happy.